Mecham Auctions, the world's largest collector car auction company, returns to Indy with Dana Mecham's 37th Original Spring Classic, May 10th through the 18th at the Indiana State Fairground. 3,000 muscle cars, Corvettes, exotics, and more. Broadcast on Motor Trend TV and streaming live on Max. From avid collectors to those new to the Mecham experience, we welcome everyone. Register to bid now at Mecham.com. Anthony Richardson getting the start in Buffalo, that first preseason game to talk about that and more. Bob Kravitz joins us via the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline, posting on Substack, musings of an old sports rider. Bob, how are you? I am fabulous. Just to just to know that Gorman is going to be back on the air in short yes. order, it just, just gives me great joy. They can't create enough Marconis to hand out. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm actually looking forward to the preseason. And, you know, I mean, in the old days, if they won a game, you got worried about it. But I'm really – I'm interested to see what this kid's all about. And I'm going to be interested to watch his mechanics, uh, how he gets in and out of the huddle, his mastery of the uh, playbook, uh, as much as they use. This is going to be really fascinating. I'm going to start right there, too, because I have said this is uh, the most anticipated preseason game that, that maybe we've, we've seen here, certainly in a while. Now, I will go back to when Andrew Luck returned. And remember when in Seattle, back in 18, yes, he took that first there. hit from Bobby Wagner, that first yep. hit from Bobby Wagner? That was a pretty damn big moment in an initial preseason game. Um, this is, is bigger than that, considering the mystery regarding Anthony Richardson. You agree? I, I absolutely. Yeah, I mean, look, what, I remember being out in uh, Seattle for that game. And I remember him taking that shot from Wagner and he bounced right back up and you thought, okay, we've, we've, we've taken the next step. Um, with this, with this young man, um, I mean, we're going to find out just how far he's come. Um, he's going to be better in the second game than he is the first game, but you know, let's see him with the first team. I would suspect that he'll be out there for as long as the first team offensive line is out there along with the receivers. Um, and we'll see what he does. I'm, I'm, I'm fascinated to see what he's all about at this point. He put together great practices on Saturday and Sunday uh, of this past week. And uh, he's, looked, he's looked good. He makes plays that you go, holy crap. And he also makes other plays that make you go, holy crap. What was that? So it'll, it'll be fun to watch. So Bob Kravitz, who joins us via the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline, I'm kind of curious, what makes for you, Shane Steichen has said he'll play a quarter. I don't know what that means, number of series, number of plays, whatever. But what makes this ultimately a good afternoon for Colts fans to be watching for the first time their rookie quarterback? I want to see that the, the moment is not too big for him. I mean, you, I mean, people need to keep in mind that while Peyton Manning played 40-some-odd games in college, this guy played 13. So I want to make sure that the moment is not too big. And I realize it's a preseason game, but it's still in Buffalo. There'll still you know, be a lot of people there. There's all, all eyes on Anthony Richardson. Uh, in fact, I got a call from ESPN. They want me to go on their air. Um, after the game tomorrow. And, well, you know, if it was Carson Wentz, they wouldn't care. But it's Anthony Richardson, <laughs> and everybody is interested. All right. Look at that. you got to give yourself ESPN. the musings of an old sports writer a little bit of love on ESPN. 
That's nice. Damn straight. Damn straight. You know who they don't want is me on ESPN right there. They go, hey, that's okay. We'll keep him where he needs to be right there. That's a smart move <laughs> by you. Hey, I did want to ask you this. I did want to ask you this before we get back to the Colts for a moment. Uh, your work now, I think you're, what, maybe three or so weeks deep into this with Substack yeah. and, and working on your own, being your own boss and all that. And, and I heard – when Jake and Kevin were talking to you, maybe earlier in the week, certainly last week, but they said that you sound reinvigorated. You sound I am. enthusiastic now. Is is there been a weight lifted from your shoulders? Yeah, I mean, look, you know, the, the athletic is a great place to work for a lot of people, you know, and I'm not I'm not trashing them by any stretch of the imagination. For me, it was just hard. They never quite figured out what they wanted from columnists. They never quite figured out what they wanted from me. Um, you know, it was a, it was just a revolving door of editors and, and philosophies. And it was, yeah, I, I, I'm excited about what I do because I don't think I could have written about going to go see Bruce Springsteen um, in, in, uh, in the athletic. I just don't think that that would have been a possibility. And, you know, in, in the Substack, I write what I want, when I want, and how I want. And, yeah. you know, I'm leaving it up to the readers to decide whether that's good enough to subscribe. And so far, uh, it's been really good. Are you, are you tracking? How, how are you tracking? Uh, according tra- to your expectations, tra- I guess. Way, way beyond all all expectations. I got a call Good for you, man. from somebody from Substack who said I was, like, way out ahead of any reasonable expectations. So I'm, I'm really pleased and I'm very humbled that people stuck with me and are following me now on Substack. Well, we talked about this before, man, and this is never going to go away. The local angle... Yeah. That is provided around here, Bob. I mean, when we see the fading of national-level radio and national-level voices, you know, being being cut here in this case in a lot of ways, the one yeah. place everybody can always go, Bob, to to hear and to talk about what they care about. It's no place else but here. And you that is always going to be incredibly valuable. Exactly. You can't be too local. And, and look, you know, Maybe the New York Times has the right um, recipe for getting the athletic uh, to make money uh, by going more national and getting away from the local stuff. I mean, look, they they know what the numbers are and they understand that cities like Indianapolis don't produce a lot of money. They don't move the needle. But, um, you know, for me, being local is the key. And, you know, we got the game tomorrow. We got Gene Cady going into the Hall of Fame. Um, You know, we we just got a lot going on here, and that's what I want to write about. And, of course, Bruce Springsteen. Well, and we'll get to that. That's your latest, too. I believe your first time seeing Bruce Springsteen with Jake Query on Wednesday night at Wrigley Field in Chicago. I saw Bruce Springsteen maybe five or six years ago at the Yum Center Uh in Louisville. I'm not not the biggest fan, but I had a great deal of admiration for him. I thought he was cool, and I liked a lot of his music. I just had never seen – you don't really know until you see it. People say, well, I mean, he's the boss for a reason because he works his ass off out there. But you have no idea how hard he works until you actually see it live. It is amazing. Dude, I'm sitting there. Okay, I'm 63, and I'm thinking, God, my back really hurts. These chairs are really hard. And this guy's out there. He's 10 years older than me, and he's a freaking dynamo. 
I mean, he he puts on a show that's over three hours, and it's just nonstop greatness. Um, so I yeah I, I I wish I had his energy, man. Yeah, no question about that, too. And it just always kind of seems like that's always a must-see thing. And I kind of revert back a year ago. He hung out, I think, for a week with John Mellencamp in Bloomington, was seen at Uptown Cafe and other places as they they rode and then performed a, a song, recorded a song together. So it's always kind of cool in Bloomington where you can see dudes like that hanging around. But, man, all-time history, there's no doubt right now and then in the future, he's going to go down as the all-time greatest to ever do it. Well, what was the John Landau uh, uh, line? He said, I have seen the future of rock and roll, and his name is Bruce Springsteen. So, yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm hardcore, and I realize that there are other bands out there, but uh, that, that's my guy. And, and, you know, I think it's really funny. Sports writers love the guy. It, I mean, you, yeah. you talk to just about any sports writer, uh, and they'll tell you that Springsteen is there. Is, is their go-to, um, you know, on their Spotify. And, yeah, I played golf, a little golf today, and uh, was listening to uh, the Wild, the Innocent, and the E Street Shuffle the entire time. Well, hey, Bob, I will say this. I think it's akin to um, your era of sports writers are all in agreement regarding Springsteen. It's kind of like, you know, Generation X, which I'm a member of, when you say you love Pearl Jam. I have yet to right, really hear right, anybody right. in Generation X that doesn't absolutely love Pearl Jam, and Springsteen is very similar for your generation as Pearl Jam is to mine. Yeah. It, it's funny, uh, when, during, I don't know if anybody cares out there, but during, during my, when I was in college, me and a couple of buddies went on a pilgrimage to, to Springsteen Mecca. We went to Freehold High School. We went to the uh, we went to see uh, bands over at uh, the, the Stone Pony. We we did the whole Jersey thing, yeah. Jersey and New York. We went to CBGB while all our buddies were getting hammered on the beach in Fort Lauderdale. Uh, we were getting hammered in New York City. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's just that's how meaningful it is. And, and again, in the same right, I've had friends of mine that go to Seattle, you know, and kind yeah, of run that right. gamut of, of bars and cafes that, you know, were sparked interest with the film singles that had Pearl Jam and Allison Chains and, you know, right. Nirvana and Kurt Cobain before they all broke. It's just, I mean, generationally speaking, I think both of, of those genres of music are very, very much the same. Absolutely. So Bob Kravitz with us. You mentioned Gene Cady going into the Hall of Fame. What's this mean to you tomorrow? Well, my, my, my funny Gene Cady moment, I, I had written late in his career that he kind of he kind of had passed, his time had passed, and we're at a press conference. I ask a question, and Gene, in the nicest way possible, says, Kravitz, I ought to punch you in the nose. <laughs> and, and I never felt I never felt threatened. I think if Bob Knight had said that, I would have really worried that he was going to punch me in the face. But right. uh, yeah, I, Gene Cady to me, he, he's the epitome of Purdue. He's the epitome of what's right about college basketball. Uh, I'll be honest with you. I was sitting around one day, and he came over. The Gene Cady was up for the Hall of Fame or was going to be inducted into the Hall of Fame, I should say. And I thought, wait, he's not already in? I had yeah. no idea yeah. that Gene Cady was not already in the Hall of Fame, Naismith Hall of Fame out in Springfield. And I think it's uh, way overdue 
for a great uh, a great dude and an amazing basketball coach. What's funny about that is when he he started at Purdue, you know, most IU fans, you know, over decades would suggest, yeah, I don't like him because of the way that he looks. I don't like him right. the way that he acts. And it was it was so unbeknownst to really anybody how cool of a guy that he was how down to earth that he was it's just that when he was out there you know that that was his moment and that's that's who he was with, with he, others he was a fighter man he yeah. was a fighter and then he and you know greg had a good column about him today um i think it was today or maybe yesterday that he never backed down to iu he never backed down to uh night and uh i mean it's it's a shame for him, it's a shame for, for Matt Painter that they never got to the Final Four. Uh, I mean, I, t- I still think Matt's got plenty of time to get there, and he certainly has the team to do it. But, uh, you know, it, it, it's on the resume, but his resume is greater than his, his inability to get to a Final Four. So Bob Kravitz is with us once again. Substack's doing really well. It is uh, the writings of an old sports writer. The musings of the writings. What did, I, did I get that wrong? The, mu- the musings, the musings the of musings. an old sports writer. Yeah, I got you. The musings yeah, of an old sports writer. Pretty close. Yeah. I'm just not that bright, so I figured I would mess that up. But it's, it's funny. Somebody just called up and asked me this, and I want to get your opinion. Um, to me, I was asked regarding Chris Ballard, you know, what would have to happen for Chris not to make it to a, a third year right now? And I said complete and utter disaster in yeah, yeah. the next two. I, I, think, I think it would have to be so bad for him not to – to get a third year that I don't even know if Colts fans even want to comprehend that no matter how they feel regarding Chris Ballard, but do you have a similar timeline? It would have to be one in 16, two and 15 bad. You know, they've, they've got to show some growth in the next couple of years. Uh, Look, everybody with a brain pan understands they're not going to be any good this year. And they probably won't be terribly good next year. And it's all about getting five on the field and getting him comfortable and getting him to the point where he could lead this football team. And nothing else really matters. Um, so, look, if they win, you know, five games or fewer this year, I just don't think it's going to make any difference in the way uh, Ballard is viewed. Um, but I do think that the year after this coming year, uh, they need to show some development, some growth. Uh, they got to be getting a little bit better. They can't be sitting there at you know three and fourteen or whatever the record might be. So yeah, certainly three years, unless there's an absolute disaster coming up, of which I'm sure Colts so. fans would not want. I, I would think so. Not want to have happen. I will ask you this too: Does anybody come to mind as far as a general manager, a team president? of an NFL organization in recent history, maybe even in a longer history, that has struggled and not gotten the job done to the level in which Chris hasn't, that is able to maintain, in this case, going into year number seven? I feel like I'm back in the car with Jake Query asking these tough questions. <laughs> well, that's what we sit around and talk about all the time off the air, I, I, yeah. I can't, I can't think of anybody who's lasted as long as Chris with his record. Let's put it that way. Now, there may be plenty of guys out there. I may be completely talking out of my ear, but um, I, I just can't think of 
too many guys who are going into their seventh year and their, what, third, third coach and their 800th quarterback and has kept their job and probably will keep it for another two to three years. So he's been very fortunate. Um, I think he's been very smart in the way he's played it. He's uh, He's got Jim Ursay's ear or Ursay's got his ear, but, you know, wh- whichever way you look at it. So, you know, he's a survivor and um, they, they've got to, they've got to take some strides here in the next few years. I mean, if this, if this kid has a Zach Wilson start to his career, then uh, I think that all bets are off. So I saw this on Instagram, and I asked some folks. I really didn't know what it meant last night with Jonathan Taylor with his eyeballs and black screen. And I guess sometimes we're kind of left to determine, to decipher, to translate what that means. I have no idea. Do you? Uh, hell no. Uh, <laughs> I, it, it's just in the last couple of weeks I started going on Instagram. So I'm now yeah. i got to figure out what guys mean with eyeballs on Instagram. I saw that on Twitter because I I still go on Twitter. And uh, I was like, yeah, I don't know what the hell that means. It, it could mean a contract is coming or it could mean he's – I have no idea. I, I'd be guessing at this point. What, what's your belief right now? Is, is he rehabbing an injury – that is Hell hanging no. with him, or is he just? Out. This is crap. He's just, he's just holding. I mean, this is a hold in, is it not? To make sure it, 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 that yeah, you get paid. Yeah, 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 yeah. And at some point, uh, it's going to get ugly. At some point, they're going to start, uh, you know, nailing him, or uh, you know, they're going to start hitting him up for fifty thousand dollars a day. And it's just, I think, I just don't see what what, what leverage he has. And I think the Colts hold all the cards here. I'm not saying they're right. I'm not saying Jonathan Taylor is right. That's the weird thing about this is both sides have a really good uh, argument to make. Uh, But I think when you look at pure leverage, I think the Colts have that in spades. Yeah. Is there going to come a point, though, where Jim Irsay is going to have to, you think, double back and revisit the whole trading thing? Or are they just going to be dug in enough to say the hell with it and just roll with it here? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, you know, I'd like to see I'd like to see an adult enter the room. And yeah. uh, when I say that, I mean Chris Ballard. And it, it seems to me there's there's a middle ground here where you do a one year or maybe a two year deal. Um, for, you know, for more money, you know, for the, for the Saquon Barkley type of numbers who are 10, 11, $12 million. Um, you know, look, this guy is terribly underpaid at 4.3. He's outplayed his rookie contract just the way that, uh, that Shaquille Leonard and uh, Quentin Nelson and Braden Smith and all those other guys did. So I understand why he's upset. But he doesn't have the leverage right now, and I'll be interested to see what uh, what happens now after seeing those eyeballs on on Instagram. I know we heard that they, a contract was offered, and then no contract get together happened between Kareem Hunt and the Colts a couple of days ago. Do you think that that was legit a legit overture? Do you believe that contract situation that was offered, or do you think that was more a shot at Jonathan Taylor saying, hey, look, this is what we can do if we want to? 
I think they're desperate for running backs. I mean, you know, why, why would you take a chance on bringing in a guy with, with Kareem Hunt's background? And we all know about his off-the-field uh, stuff. Why would you even float that if you weren't serious about signing him? I mean, you could have you could have gone after just about anybody else and, and made this point. But yeah, Kareem Hunt's got you know domestic violence issues and videos and all kinds of awful stuff. And I don't see them taking that chance just to play games with with Jonathan Taylor. To be honest with you. I, 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 too, it completely goes against their stance. If they believe that Jonathan Taylor is disposable and they're concerned about his health and production this year and don't want to pay him any more, why in the world would you jump into this? Because you'd be concerned about his production. You don't really want to pay him. And you have this guy that if you just made him a little bit happy, it would seem like maybe you could mend some fences that are going on here. I, I just don't even understand the inquiry, even if you need bodies. They got a camp body in Jason Huntley. That's what they needed to do. But right. the flirtation with Kareem Hunt, to me, was ridiculous. Yeah, I mean, I didn't – you know, I, I was getting ready to write about it, and then they decided not to – who somebody decided not to somebody. go through with it, but somebody, but um, yeah, I, it just, it made no sense that you would, you know, make a play for a guy with his background. And look, I, you know, I, I'm not asking them all to be choir boys. I mean, uh, I understand that uh, you want guys who are just going to be ready to go uh, on Sunday, but yeah, it didn't make much sense to me, but you know, I think they were serious about it and you know, he, he was, at another place and with another team talking with another team I should say and they said get your butt to Indianapolis and so yeah I think they're very serious about the whole thing Bob Kravitz on Substack you can find his work musings of an old sports writer his latest is with regards to being at Wrigley Field and checking out Bruce Springsteen with Jake Query what was more fun watching Springsteen or the ride to and from in the same car with Jake Query. What was better? Yeah, I'll tell you what, it's pretty close. You know, I'm going to start calling Query the boss, you know. Query's got an amazing mind and a really, really big heart. And if he runs for mayor, I'm going to vote for him. Did you guys stop and get fireworks or porn or anything on the way or on the way no, back? No, no, no. But, yeah, uh, yeah then, uh, what's, what's that place? Is it Roselawn or? Yeah, Roselawn. Yeah. Nudes of Poppin' or some weird thing. I don't know. Yeah. It's Friends of mine beyond. used to go up there every year when they had their little festival of nudity up there and invited who, all who the uh, porn chicks. Who went up there? Friends of mine used to take oh pictures. Oh, my God. That's I've got funny. pictures of a different era. Uh, you know, wow. you, you can tell it's a different era with the pictures. I don't want to hear. I don't want to hear any more about this. <laughs> None, zero. Roselawn, it is Roselawn. Yeah. Okay, Roselawn, it is, man. All right, buddy. Hey, congratulations on the success so far. Keep that thing going, Thank you, buddy. All right, sure will. Take care. So, uh, Bob Kravitz, right there. Substack. That's where you're going to find his work. Musings of an old sports writer. 30 years of being fair and impartial and to the point. Friend of this show, got Indiana Sports Talk tonight, tomorrow night, coming straight at you. Bob Lovell joins us now. Hello, Bob. Hey, John. How are you? 30 stinking years. It's amazing right there. 30 <laughs> years. How did it feel to get back in the swing of things, Bob? Uh, different. Um, 
you know, I take June and July off. I've done that for uh, well, for a while, and it allows you to maybe save save your energy a little bit. Clearly, I'm not getting any younger, but it was it was great to get back. Um, we use it as kind of preseason practice, like everybody else does, and. You know, we make mistakes, push the wrong buttons, say the wrong things, and you know how it is the show you do. People don't understand, but it's about rhythm. It's about routine and, and kind of, you know, feeling your way along. And so it's always good to get back. And then next Friday, it starts uh, it starts a, a different level with high school football opening up. So it's all, it's all good, John. All good. Yeah, um, what um, you, you talk to all these high school coaches is, you know, they're having scrimmages and, and trying to find out about their team. When um, when is things you, you mentioned getting back in the seat and getting back in your routine? When do these high school teams, you know, good, bad, or in, the, in between here? When do they start getting into their rhythm, so to speak? Well, I think the uh, coaches will tell you that uh, you think you have a good feel. Not a good feel, but at least you have a feel for what your team's about around that second or third or fourth week, somewhere in that range. And, you know, it's important, too. Most of your schedules are set up, so first couple of ball games might be out of conference play, and then that third one or third week kind of gets you into conference play. So you're, you're talking about first third of the season is when you can begin to determine who the pretenders and the contenders really are and get a, a sense of what your team is about. And unfortunately, some teams – don't uh, present all that information sometimes until it's too late. So, uh, especially just to listen, that first ball game, when you have new faces, new people, some new staff members, all kinds of things, you really, truly uh, are challenged to have a great idea of what your team's about, even though you've played uh, in some seven-on-seven camps and done all kinds of things throughout the summer. Still, until they turn the lights on and someone's pounding you on the other side of the line, you don't really have a good feel. No, you don't. Um, Where do you start? I mean, I'm sure we'll bring up this more next Friday when things really get real high school-wise. But where do we start in each – what's that? I I think, you know, you start – like in in 6A, how do you not start with a team that's won it the last three years? And even though Center Grove – Clearly, he's trying to do something that's only been done once before with Warren Central. You still got a lot of guys who played significant minutes on that team. They're trying to battle some injuries right now, without question. So, Center Grove, uh, Carroll of Fort Wayne, people think very highly of them. Cathedral's got Danny O'Brien, so that makes them a contender, without question. HSD is really, really good. Uh, ben Davis, Warren Central, Fishers, Westfield. Uh, Penn, Crown Point, Lafayette, Jeff, and Franklin Central. Those are those are some really really good teams. But again, you're the champs until someone takes it from you. And Center Grove has found an ability under the tutelage of Eric Moore, found a way <laughs> to win when you replace people. And so I'd start there. Well, and he's got a schedule with his team as such, obviously because of other situations where you're, you talk about getting tested and tested early. Here it comes. Well, you do, and I, I think, um, you know, since we are a state that everybody makes the tournament, yeah, you want to win every game you play. I think everybody understands that. But the idea is to be playing your best ball at tournament time. And so um, – this is a schedule. I think everybody understands it. They understand what situation that they're in. They're playing a, a very difficult schedule. 
playing some really, really good teams. And so um, I think, uh, you know, if you're good, you'll find out early. You'll find out a whole lot about yourself in that first three or four games of your schedule without question. It's uh, Bob Lovell who is with us. You mentioned Danny O'Neill Cathedral, too. I'm assuming you put him at quarterback at the top of the potential Mr. Footballs in the state of Indiana. Do you start right there? Tyler Cherry, oh, Center Grove, right there, too? I, I think so. I think he clearly they're, they're in the top uh, ten. You know, they're, we, have, uh, we have to have quite a few guys who can play. But, uh, no, I think they have to be in any discussion you have about Mr. Football uh, because all the things they, they can do um, – you know, with the ball in their hands, and, and they clearly make their teams better and make them championship contenders. So um, the fun thing about it, John, is you see somebody emerge, but, but going in, you know, you're talking about two of the best around. So Bob Lovell of Indiana Sports Talk, year number 30 is upon us right now with Bob, both Friday tonight and tomorrow night, Saturday night. Uh, you can hear him throughout the state of Indiana. You know, at, outside of the obvious choices, you know, whether it's uh, you know, the whole class basketball thing, and we've been, you know, through that and all of it. But in your 30 years of covering sports every Friday and Saturday night, what has, besides that obvious point, changed the most on the high school level that you have witnessed over those 30 years? You know, I think clearly the class basketball uh, is, is one. I think maybe not looked on as, you know, the biggest thing that stands out to me, though, John, is the, the quality of kids we turn out throughout the entire state, not just in football and basketball, but, but in all sports. And, you know, you look at the number of kids in football when we first started doing the show, you might have had a dozen, maybe 15 guys who were recruited by Power Five conferences, and now you have 20, 25 kids. So the quality of plays improved. You know, you look at Max Clark, you know, Gatorade Player of the Year in baseball. You start going down the line in sports. I think our coaches are doing a much better job of coaching. I think our kids are, are getting better, bigger, faster, stronger. Uh, I just think the quality of play in our state in the last 30 years has been tremendous and has it just continues to improve literally year by year. And, you know, without taking on the controversial subjects, I, I, I tend to look at it that way. Since the show has always been about talking about kids and what they've done on the field and yeah. on the course, I, I tend to look at it this way and just celebrate how good and how much better they've come over 30 years with all the – you know, year-round training and coaches and, and what the coaches' associations and their respective sports have done, what the IHSAA has done and giving opportunities. And we tend to forget this, but when our kids play for championships, John, they play in some of the greatest facilities in our country. And no one else in, in, in the U.S. has an NBA franchise or an NFL franchise directly linked to what their state association is doing except ours. And that ought to tell people something about how important what we do on the weekends is all about. Yeah, I mean, it's just uh, – it, it just it, it seems like to me, and I'm just going over the 30 years uh, in which you've been around here, but it uh, – being on the air, it just – 
changed dramatically. <laughs> and, I mean, what, what's funny is it's, like, changed so dramatically in 30 years. But if you're going to look at, for example, like, if you're going to look at 84 to 04, that's dramatic right there. You know what I mean? It's like, <laughs> I mean, we're, we're kind of – the changes now, I guess, either are easier for us to understand, digest, get with, whatever. But from, like, 84 to 04 – a lot of this stuff would be completely unrecognizable. So I guess we get used to it more commonly now than we would have during that 20-year time span, if that makes sense to you. It makes sense. John, when we went on the air in August of 1994 with our first show, uh, I did not have a computer in the studio. We didn't have computers. And, and our, our task to start with was to gather scores. And we ended up being the provider of scores uh, television stations from around the state would call us all night long saying, hey, what are the scores? Give us the scores. Uh, you guys end up having yeah. the scores. So there are about 150 games a night on the weekend, right? And so we would, you know, our goal was to leave the studio at midnight by having all the scores. And then, you know, nowadays, you could argue, I'm not so sure you need us to provide your scores because you can get those, you know, almost immediately on Twitter and and whatever social media, other types of things you do. But what we've been able to do is kind of fill in those scores and talk about those stories and talk about those games. But, you know, the other part that's changed, like you point out, dramatically has been the technology. And I like to joke that we've been able to, to fight off all of our uh, enemies on the show, domestic and foreign. You know, I would consider technology a foreign enemy, but we've managed to, we managed to fend everybody off in these last 30 years. And we still provide a necessary service for people. John, you know this. People are all over the state, and I'm honored to be able to do it. People all over the state get in their cars after they go to those games, and the first thing they do is turn on the radio and listen to our show. Like 50 plus stations, and it's you know it's a it's an awesome audience. You got about a quarter of a million people all weekend listening to the show, and it's just insane. That's uh, Bob Lovell. Year number 30 is where we are right now with Indiana Sports Talk. Bob's got you tonight and tomorrow night across the Network Indiana affiliation in this state. He's with us via the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. Go out there and have yourself a blast tonight and tomorrow night. We'll check in again next week when, when, the, when the, bl- the blank's going to get real next Friday. So it's going to get real. Thanks as always. I appreciate it. Take care.